0: Tony is very lucky that his father is a better person than Olly. And I think you, 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 you are an ostrich.
1: Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day is the biggest fool in Manchester, and that is you, David my
0: Football
2: heritage. <laughs> no one wants
0: to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville.
2: But, unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply.
0: I love football. Hello everyone! Welcome to another episode of the Bola Boys podcast. It's me Rahul hosting today, and I'm joined by Kaiser. Hello. And after confirming with uh, many sources, I'm proud mm-hmm. to announce: here we go. Our other co-host Visvas is now an engaged man. Thank you. How are you. Feeling this? Thank you. Very See? happy, oh of course. Oh God, you sound so different. And do I and sound and like a fiancé? You sound so secure and. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Out of the wilderness of single singlehood. So Thanks, much, thank you, thank you, <laughs> congrats, all the best. Uh, but now to more important stuff. <laughs> Steven Gerard has been <laughs> CC press <laughs> Steven Gerard has been sacked as Aston Villa manager. Um, you know, some of us will remember that we said this job came too early for him, and I'm glad to say that we were right. Uh, Aston Villa fans (laughs) were (laughs) chanting for him to be sacked at their last home game and they got what they wanted and And now they've been replaced. Hopefully this uh,
2: means he doesn't get the Liverpool job after Klopp. Yes. Thank God for that.
0: I think so. Uh, Which again comes back to prove that not all good players make good managers. Uh, But they've got a good manager in place. Um, Unai Emery, former Arsenal (laughs) Arsenal manager, who is also not fondly remembered by the Arsenal fans, has taken over uh so we'll see any thoughts on that uh switch of managers uh, i
1: think gerard was you know with villa for as long as he was because only because he was steven gerard i think was any other manager who would have been gone by now and um i think i know i think on emery is a very very good manager i think it's a very good appointment from villa um and i think it's just only up from here to be fair
2: yeah i think it's very yeah practical uh, signing and he was close to getting a Newcastle job as well, right? Uh, instead of um, yeah, Eddie but he turned
1: he turned it down, right? He turned down Newcastle, right? No,
2: like
0: I, that. I, I, I th- think surprising.
1: I, no,
2: think I think I think, he I think Newcastle think prioritized think Eddie Howe in how how after okay, balancing right. stuff. I yeah. thought
0: He turned them down, th- which was even more surprising that he take the Villa job. job yeah, yeah. 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 But that makes sense if he if uh, Newcastle would rather have Eddie Howe, then it makes sense. Um, but yeah, so we'll see how that. Uh, turns out it is a bit sad because Jura did well with Rangers yeah you know we expected so much Celtic stronghold yeah So it's going to be interesting where he goes next he shows the gulf gulf indifference I think between the Scottish League League and the (laughs) League. Um, but just to summarise what we're going to be talking about today so we'll be reviewing Liverpool Chelsea and Fulham and then we'll be looking forward to a couple of big games right at the end but let's get stuck in to begin with let's talk about Liverpool Kaiser, I think Yay. no doubt that it's been a, <laughs> a very disappointing start to the season. Yeah, uh, I would say very stop start. You see one positive and then two negatives. Mm. Uh, how have you felt so far?
2: Yeah, in this case, two positives and one negative in terms of the last uh, three games. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot going wrong. And I think we'll go into depth about why that might be. Uh, but just in the general form, yeah, I think... Man City, great game, Um, and I think we're always up for it against them uh, at home. West Ham, I thought it would be a building block, a platform to build on. But yeah, the Forest game was very, very disappointing again. And back to more what we are used to, more Liverpool this season, which has been, yeah, overall disappointing.
0: Yeah, so I think if you look at the form table and the game so far, 11 games played, 4 wins, 4 draws, 3 losses. The losses come to United and Arsenal which I think, you know, is reasonable. But then then the last game they played a 1-0 loss to Nottingham Forest. Uh, Very disappointing. I think not only disappointing in the result, but also in the, the game itself. The draws have come to Fulham, Crystal Palace, Everton and Brighton. Again, if you want to be a team competing at the top of the table, these are draws that you need to be making wins, you know. So I think the big surprise there was actually the result against City. Um... So this is a neutral, obviously. Watching that game, it's been the probably the most anticipated game in what I would say most you know recent sort of seasons, the last three four seasons. How did you? What was the expectations going in? I think we all predicted heavy wins for City. So it's a big surprise actually that Liverpool managed to come away with three points.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a big surprise, no doubt. Um, I don't think anyone expected a Liverpool win. And um, one difference, key difference, I think, in, that we've seen uh, compared to the past seasons in this particular fixture is both you see both teams attacking, you know, back and forth. But I think this was pretty one-sided to a certain extent. But Liverpool, I think, in their department, you know, in terms of defending and controlling certain aspects of the game, I think they did very well to nullify City. And um, it went according to plan. And, and Liverpool essentially you know, went back to their roots in terms of, you know, how they were so good at counter-attacking. I think Liverpool initially, you know, starting out the early days, they were, I think, the best counter-attacking team in the league, and it was an amazing chance, and Salah put it away. I think he could have, you know, Liverpool could have won 2-0, in fact, I think he won Nunes, you know, squared it again to Salah, but which he didn't. But yeah, job well done for Liverpool, but it's still, like you said, you know, not so convincing. Yeah, you beat City, but, you know, where does it go from there? And uh, we see yeah. what happened with, yeah, Nots
0: Forest. 100%. And like you said, unfortunately, I think that's the only positive so far from this season. Um, and I think you have to look back and see why has this happened. How have they dropped from basically playing every single game that the club could play? They played 63 games last season. You know, make the Champions League final, come away with two domestic trophies, finish second to City by a point. To now, a, a team that is struggling to beat the last place team in the league. Uh, I don't know from 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 a fan's point of view. I think maybe you look back, you look for you try to look for explanations. Was last season a bit too strenuous on a thin squad? You know, like I said, they play sixty three games. They were very reliant on fringe players like Origi, Minamino. Kelleher, Kevin Kelleher who's the number two goalkeeper, Nico Williams. Three out of those four players have left now, thinning out the squad even more. I don't know whether there's an aspect of you know mental and physical fatigue from last season, obviously physical fatigue from playing all those games, but the mental fatigue of going the distance in the two big competitions, but finally actually coming away with none of those trophies, you know. And then the other aspect, I think, Kaiser is where we've been sort of talking about for the last two, three seasons, where we've been saying the midfield needs changing. The midfield needs changing. We've never replaced any one Aldo. We need to freshen up those those three. And here now we're stuck with the aging midfield, and we're we're seeing the fruits of that, like you know.
2: Yeah, and not only the midfield, but uh, as we saw, the players like our front three who are aging as well. So I think that's definitely a factor. But I think what you mentioned as well from last season too. I think it's definitely a mix of those factors. Very hard to go again um, after a season like we had last season, plus these uh, factors of um, the aging squad. Um, And I think, yeah, Klopp. I mean, he's been using. He's been quite consistent with um, how he's approached the seasons uh, year on year. And then uh, I think the loss of Michael Edwards as well um, is. Uh, a big factor in terms of potential recruitment um, of these new players that can potentially replace the midfield.
0: Yeah, I think my biggest frustration has been that almost our biggest strength in the past, so the sense that we always used to be patient, they'll wait for the right player, they'll you know they'll make no excuses for it. We wish you know when we were very close to starting Danny Ward as number one, but we were waiting for Ellison, so we signed Ellison. We were supposed to get Virgil van Dijk in the January transfer window. Obviously, the whole drama happened there. Still waited for him until we got him. And it's been seen as a strength previously. But now we're trying to see the negative of that. You know, when we... Apparently, we were supposed to sign Chouameni in the summer. He goes to Real Madrid. There seems to be no plan B. Now they're saying Bellingham is obviously the, the number one target. I personally don't see that happening. I can't even, You know, he's so good. And the price Dortmund are going to be offering. I'll be very surprised if he ever plays for Liverpool, you know. So again, I feel, you know, my biggest frustration, as I said, is we just need to be more aggressive. We need to be more aggressive. And obviously, it's a balance between getting quality and just putting numbers. But there has to be a middle ground as well, you know. And when you've got Milner, who's 36, Henderson, who's 31, Thiago, who's 31, and Fabinho, who's 28, you can't be playing these guys week in, week out with no competent backup, you know. But then there has to be, I think, a bit of sympathy in the sense that, you know, we try to alleviate the stress on the midfield by changing the formation. So they try to change to a four-four-two or a four-two-four, And then Jota and Diaz get injured with long-term injuries. So, I mean, yeah, it's a bit of a shitstorm, lah, you know, I would say. And I don't know what the solution is. But looking at the fixtures ahead, they really need to find a solution just to get them to the World Cup, at least. So looking forward, I think the fixtures up to the World Cup is Ajax in the Champions League, Leeds, Napoli in the Champions League, then Tottenham and Southampton. They're currently five points behind Newcastle and fourth with a game in hand, but 12 points behind Arsenal at the top of the league. So, I mean, looking at those fixtures, Kaiser, what do you think is the minimum that they need to be looking somehow to try and achieve this?
2: Yeah, I think definitely need to... Um, qualify for the Champions League uh, as soon as possible. I think that's important. So we don't have to focus on that too as much um, because then that puts more emphasis on the league. Um, and I think when the, the fixtures get tighter, I mean, that's when we usually do well compared to the other teams, uh, I feel. Uh, and we get that momentum and that rhythm that Klopp always uh, talks about. So I am hoping um, for that Um to, to basically be a positive for us.
0: Vish, any thoughts on the season so far overall? Um, anything that sort of stuck out to you? Anything you see, you think is the problem?
1: I think the the main... I think you've pretty much covered everything. I think the main two things that stand out for me is... I think it's, it's played a significant role, the burnout from last season. You know, like, you know, these group of players play so many games, they come so close. And yet, you know... Like they pretty much lose everything and end up with two trophies, which is actually still good. But you know the levels that we've seen with these teams, right? I think that coupled with the injuries, coupled with the aging squad, I think these guys have mentally sort of given up. I would say it's it's quite uh, quite sad to see. It's been a very underwhelming season for Liverpool, and I think it's the the, the problem is bigger than than this. You know this this shift in. Mentality, especially when we see the way Liverpool play, that hunger, that desire, is, it's not. It's just not there lah anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely, I think they've been outrun, they've been outfought. Yeah. I mean, just by watching the games, you see it. But even in the numbers, you know, like you said, Liverpool are known for that extra physicality, yeah, that determination, that, that pressing second balls, game. And that that everything, you know. There. They used yeah, to be number one in that department. Uh, I think
2: a lot of people... Put it out to, oh, there's also a big factor losing Mane, which was an integral squad. But I think, I don't know how much difference, I mean, he would make a difference, obviously, he's still being around, but I don't think he'll make a huge difference. I think it's a whole squad problem.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I'm, mean, yeah, I think Liverpool have to start again. Like, they have to start that cycle again and see where they find themselves in the next sort of season or two. But two teams who are transitioning maybe a a bit further along in that process are Chelsea and United. They played each other over the weekend just gone. One all. Uh, And we've got to focus on Chelsea here, especially because we haven't spoken about them in depth uh, since uh, Graham Potter has been uh, hired. So Vis, uh, why don't you take this one?
1: Sure, thank you. So I think form under Graham Potter has been Okay, he hasn't lost the game yet, you know, so I can't sit here and say not good. You know, I think he's done a fairly very good job. Um, They've played five games in the league. They beat the likes of Crystal Palace, Wolves, Villa, and then they drew away to Brentford and drew at home to United, which is the fixture we're going to talk about. Something that stands out really for me is their defence. I think they're quite solid at the back. I think they've conceded only two goals um, under Graham Potter and scored eight goals. So very positive start so far. In fact, if it wasn't for that uh, last-minute Casamero header, that would have been six clean sheets in a row for Chelsea, which I think is quite significant. So in that department, they're pretty, you know, they're pretty solid. Um, so if you look at the game, sorry, okay, let's just talk about the 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 Potter system, the style. It's very similar to you know how he's been playing with Brighton, you know, in that in that three-four, three-four-one-two setup. And, um, you know, I found this very interesting when uh, the managers were, uh, for the Brentford game, the managers were told to interview each other. And Thomas Frank asked. uh, Yeah, uh, that
0: was very nice.
1: That was very nice. He asked a very good question. He's like, why do you always change your starting eleven? you know? And like, yeah, every game we see him chopping and changing his entire, you know, 10 to 9 players every time. and And his response was he wants the players to rely on the system above all else. So it doesn't matter who plays as long as all these players are able to adapt into that system so you can see this guy he prioritizes the system above all else and i think that's it's it's just a matter of time he's still new right so he's still figuring
0: it out yeah i think there's a big shift to how chelsea teams in the past have been right yes. i don't think we've re- i mean i could be wrong maybe chelsea team chelsea fans would disagree with me but it's never almost been about a long term project and this is the system I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it'd be interesting to ask maybe Aslan if we get him on next. You know, has there ever been a Chelsea? This is a Chelsea team. This is how Chelsea play. play. Mm, mm, I feel mm. it's always been, you know, they sign very good players. They get a good manager in. Yeah. And it's more short termism on how we can win this, or how we can do that. It's yeah. never been a, I don't system know. system approach. No DNA, mm. there's no yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think this is the first time Potter will be here to try and implement that. And like you said, I think he'll be. With all sort of systems or all sort of um, when you're trying to implement a new style of play, there'll always be sort of a period where it's not quite there. Yeah, you know. So I mean, but the f- like like you said, defensively they've been very good, and there are positive signs so far. Yeah, and like you said,
1: you know, the the previous manager Thomas Tuchel, when he came to Chelsea, he create he created a system based on the strength of the players that he had at the time. So he sort of, you know, molded the that the Reese James, you know, as the creator slash goalscorer system, you know, the wingbacks thing and, and it really worked out well. But I think under Potter, we are yet to see. I think he doesn't care about the players. He wants this system and he's going to go all out and sort of try and get all these players on board for this particular system. It, and it would be,
2: no, be interesting if he, we saw him throughout the whole preseason and then being able to implement that exactly. early on and then come into the season, right? Yeah, because now so I feel like he is still definitely experimenting a lot as yeah. if it's a pre as if it's a pre season for him basically. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I think another thing to ensure that continuity is getting a director of football which is just done. So I think just before we started recording, so I haven't read up much about it, but I think they've hired Monaco's technical director or director of football to be their sort of sporting director now. So again this goes into all that long-term planning and uh, putting a, a good structure to be there instead of how it was under roman i would say so it's a big change in a club uh, and you can only see it being positive like you know whenever you see a club which is well run and the structure from top to bottom is that it always is a good thing so so let's
1: uh, yeah, we talk about the sh- game
0: Yes, I w- that's what I was just going to okay. say. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the game yeah. specifically now?
1: Yeah, so the game was um, at home at Stamford Bridge. Um, let's just talk about the flow. So I think Chelsea started off you know, on the wrong foot. United were very dominant in the first half. And uh, they forced Chelsea to make a tactical change. In just 36 minutes, um, Potter switched out Kukurela for Kovacic. And he needed that extra man in midfield. And I think after that switch... It sort of balanced the game out. Chelsea, you know, grew their way back into the game. And this is not the first time that Potter has been doing this. Uh, He did that um, against um, uh, Villa as well. At halftime, he, you know, switched out two players. And against Brentford, I think in the 15th minute also, he, he, he did a substitution. So he's not afraid to make these sort of decisions. And it was a very bold decision at the time. And it was essentially the correct decision. And, um, yeah, they, they were better off for it. So, Chelsea, I would say, were the better team in the start of the second half. However, in the, the, the game, if you I don't know if you guys watched the game. Chelsea did not sort of create the type of chances that United were creating. Although it was very even, you know, it's, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, United deserve to win that game. But that the, the type of chances that United created were much more, you know, threatening as opposed to Chelsea. And that, that's sort of been the pattern for Chelsea in the past few games. So what happened was, it was still nil-nil, you know, both teams were having a bit of the ball, and then around the 84th minute from a corner, McTominay manhandled Broha, and you know, it was a penalty, I don't know if you guys, you know, I think think that happens all the time, okay, we see centre-backs doing that all the time, but it's at the same time not to say it's not a foul, it's a foul, right?
2: In isolation, it definitely is a foul. It's a foul, yeah, especially the
1: way McTominay, you know, wrapped both his hands, and you know, sort of brought him down, and... And I, I think, think
0: there's there's very little debate about it being a foul. Where yeah. the, the frustration is, is the consistency, yeah. you know. Yeah, I bet you just on the weekend pass, you can find maybe easily five, six similar clips. incidents. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, get nowhere close to that kind of...
2: And there's f- similar argument in the Liverpool City game where uh, Harlands was a foul. But I mean, the referee let a lot of things go, go. in that game. Yeah, so... True. Yeah.
1: So that one, I think it's fine. La. It's a fair penalty. And uh, I think Chelsea were very lucky to go ahead. And then United automatically went on the the offensive. You know, the fullbacks Shaw and Dalo, pushed way high up you know, to get crosses into the box. And essentially, which led to Casemiro's 90-second 90 ninety-second 92-minute equaliser. And I think a, f- a point is fair to both teams. Even Potter came out and said, you know, after the game, he, he thought that Chelsea did not deserve to win. But, you know, the point was sufficient. So, yeah. What
0: do you, Just to bring you back, you were talking about the attack is a bit dysfunctional. At the moment, not really looking threatening. What did you make of Obama Yang?
1: So, Obama Yang, he started off pretty well. Not this game in particular. I mean, his season, his Premier League season comeback. I think he, he started off pretty well and then sort of just fizzled out. And it's not just him. You know, there are a lot of players within that squad. Like, look at Havertz. He's not done much. Sterling, he's not done much. Uh, Mount as well. You know, he has sparks here and there. And everyone is sort of just flat, you know. And I think that's also because of the injuries that they have. You know, Kante is not there. James is not there. I think that's a huge factor as well. And they're just very flat, you know. Extremely flat. It was a boring game. I'm not going to lie. The Chelsea uh, <laughs> United game was a very boring game. Did you see Chelsea's previous games though, nothing that exciting, you know. Like, very flat.
0: But I think um, the fact that he's making these early substitutions when he sees, you know, that a change needs to be made. Yeah. That is something if I was a Chelsea fan, I would take as a positive, like, you know. Yeah. Especially when you see a positive outcome from it. Yes, exactly. You and know, he's got no ego to say that, you know, I've made a mistake with the starting lineup line up and I'm not going to change it. Yeah. Like that. So I think that's really encouraging. And,
1: and not many managers do that, you know. They yeah. like sort of give time to, like you said, maybe it's an ego thing, I don't know. But like, you know, they really needed to do that. Like, because until up to that thirty sixth minute, United had what, sixty-five percent possession at the time and Chelsea only had thirty-five percent possession before the change. And once he made that change, he added that extra man into midfield, went into a back four. So from a three four one two, he switched it to a four-four two diamond. And then they could sort of, you know, come men to men in midfield, so they weren't getting overrun. And essentially, that's what won them the point, you know, that game. Because if he had not done anything about it, I think towards the end of the first half, United would have gone ahead uh, with a goal. And yeah,
0: yeah. So I mean, I I feel it'll be very sort of stop start for Chelsea for a while, you yeah. know, one until they find their feet and things like that. The three upcoming fixtures up to the World Cup are pretty tough as well. He goes back to his old side, Brighton yeah. away. And then he's got Arsenal and Newcastle who are flying. Uh, so you know, I won't be surprised again if there are a few draws there. There are a few disappointing results. Someone we haven't talked about is Kepa. So he's brought him back, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. 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 So um, he's been played really pretty good. Well yeah. Few games.
1: He helps a lot with the build-up play. I think Kepa is much better with uh, the feet. I mean, uh, well, like ball to feet. You know, he's with quite the ball good. Yeah, with the ball and. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Mendy, we've seen, you know, he's really good at short-stopping and all that. But not to say Kepa is not, you know, he's been helping out quite a bit as well. And even that Casemiro goal, he almost saved it, you know. It yeah, like hit the post and it like s- just crossed the line. You Never know, so thought I'd
2: see a Kepa revival.
1: Revival. I even yeah, forgot man. Kepa was, was there. He's yeah, the most expensive, really. most right? Exp- yeah. Most <laughs> expensive <laughs> guy.
2: And Mendy was amazing last, uh, yeah. Yeah, wow, yeah. last yeah.
0: season. But that's what I mean. Again, it's just not settled, you know. It's just no, no settled... It's just not a settled squad currently. Yes. I think that's what. Once he gets there, and you know, you see the same Chelsea lineup week in week out. I think that's when you really see uh, consistency. What all about. Yeah, it yeah. feels the World
2: Cup comes a bit too early for him. Uh. If he has like a run of games, I think he would start doing really well because of just oh, how. Or
0: whether the time on the training pitch might be might be uh, you know useful. There, I don't know how many uh, how many of their, players, yeah, of their players. Quite a lot of their
2: players are international. Right? So,
0: um, but I think that's that that covers Chelsea pretty well. Up to well, looking at Graham Potter's tenure so far, someone who's a team who's been pretty settled, and you're seeing the positives from there are Fulham. So they come up as champions of the Championship, uh, last season with a very settled squad. A lot of the players were there in their previous promotion two seasons back, and I think Kaiser, you're 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 seeing the positives from there. You know, they're picking up good results. They lie seventh in the table now, uh, above Liverpool, two points behind United. Uh, they're, they're doing really well. I, th- I think Marco Silva will be very happy with the first 11-12 uh, games of the season.
2: Yeah, they're, they're in good form. They won two of their last three games, the other being a draw. Um, like you said, they have a very settled 4 3 one team. Marco Silva took over start the season last year, brought them up to the Premier League. And yeah, they continued their really good form. I mean, it was a tricky start to the season, but now they've really found uh, their feet. And Marco Silva is very clear playing style, pressing from the front and very fast and direct counter-attacking style. Um, and you can, you can see this in the past two games. So against Villa um, two games ago, they dominated, absolutely dominated that game. And Gerard got psyched an hour after that game. Uh, I mean, definitely credit has to be given to Fulham though, Mitrovic especially. Uh, as we all have seen this season, it has been a massive handful, a menace, but especially that game. Menace. Yeah, got Douglas Luiz sent off um, and then on a separate occasion got a penalty and scored it. But Fulham, generally, they create a lot of chances in games. Eight good chances in the first half against Villa and against the Leeds game recently. Very deserved win as well. It was a more end to end. Leeds definitely had some decent chances, but uh, again, their star player then was uh, Harrison Reed, who's from Southampton. Him and Palinja in midfield, um, forming a very, very strong partnership. Uh, and he was so influential being box to box. And Harry Wilson, who uh, we know well of, Rahul, uh, has been returned mm-hmm. from injury and started at <laughs> right wing. And so, yeah, it's amazing to see because when you see see Fulham, now they have Harry Wilson and then suddenly Dan James is there who's on loan. Williams on the left wing. You're like, wow, all these players who are are rejects. And then one we haven't mentioned yet, Andreas Pereira, who was a big man you reject, uh, who's uh, always says this was his last chance and he's playing amazingly well.
1: Yeah, he's in my FPL team But I don't give him Enough respect To start him all the time I think Bench I shoot him Too used to benching him
0: But Viz on a serious note Did you think he would Because he's doing pretty well, right? I mean yeah, the see main creative The thing is, is At United, right pieces. He wasn't
1: uh, d- Consistent Okay we He had the talent But he just wasn't as consistent And if you're fighting With the likes of like, you see now, Ericsson slash Bruno Fernandes, you're still going to be third in that packing order, you know. So, I think he needed that sort of shift. I think that pressure is off his shoulders. You know, he's playing for a smaller club, all respect to Fulham. And he's been very crucial in Fulham season, you know. And his deliveries, like, set pieces have been excellent. And he has a good long range, you know, on him. And, yeah, he's, he's really doing well. And I'm very happy for him, la. Andreas Pereira. He should have scored
0: as well, right? Against Leeds. Yes. Right? Yeah. He, he had a one-on-one. That. Uh, and it's fun, la. It's actually not
1: just to watch Pereira. I mean, it's fun watching Fulham. You know. Fulham. Yeah. Very yeah, exciting yeah. team. I really like Fulham's football.
2: Yeah. And Mitrovic is just something else, really. I mean, he f- it feels like he does so little in the game. Like he doesn't get involved. <laughs> yeah, but, but he's just well, cool When the ball comes to him, he is just like a menace. When he's throwing his arms, at I think defenders, this is his peak, and la.
1: he's speaking now, la. Because he uh, played how old for is he though? Years ago. Well, that's the he's thing. Slain. I was going to say, for so what do you guys so think? Guess long,
0: how? Guess how old do you think he? is Twenty-eight. Uh, I think he's
2: twenty-eight. No lah, yeah. la. must be like thirty-three or something. See,
0: right? You think he's old, right? He's he's not that old. Let me is just tell not? you I'm pretty sure he's like twenty-six or something. No, don't no, no, no. He's twenty-eight. <laughs> twenty-eight. 28. Yeah. yeah, he's twenty-eight. Oh but I feel like he's been around for ages. Yeah, I would have said the same thing. Like thirty. He looks old as
2: well. Gosh, well, yeah. Nine goals. Nine goals in eleven games. In the I guess.
0: And the next question is: Do you think there's an over reliance on him?
2: Oh yeah, most definitely, most definitely. It'll because
0: be... he's the pivot point, right? I mean, he's
2: he's only not started one game this season, um, and so the two games I think that he didn't play like almost ninety minutes. Like they lost like three one or four one. I mean, okay, mm. that's two isolated games, but I think you can. That's definitely a big worry. Right? they don't have a. I th- I'm not sure who the second uh, striker it's, is. Uh, but he's it's got a
0: very unique name. He's uh, a big follower. Not a unique name, but. It's,
2: it's uh, not De Cordova Because right? he's playing right back now, no, by the way, no. who used to be he's a striker, a, <laughs> which is crazy as well. Um, oh,
0: I can't remember now. But it's basically a name of a player which you wouldn't. It's, it's a name of another famous player, I was like, what? why is he coming on for Fulham? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, yeah. But looking forward again to the World Cup, they got pretty tricky fixtures. They got Everton. Uh, at home who found a bit of form but then they got City and United um, but like you said Kaiser, I think they built up the points from the first 11-12 games that yeah. you know even if they drop points in the next three that's absolutely fine they'll be, still find themselves probably in a place that they'll be more than happy with
2: exactly a lot of people expected them to be in a relegation scrap and to be 7th at this point uh, and maybe like before the World Cup around 12-13 they'll be m- more than delighted and yeah it's been outstanding so far really this season
0: fantastic so I think that wraps up the review uh, section we'll see you guys on the other side for a short preview of some of some big games coming up in a couple of weeks so we'll catch you then so in the preview section uh, we got two big games coming up not in the next game week unfortunately but for two game weeks coming uh, the first is uh, Spurs hosting Liverpool at um, at home. Uh, both teams, I think, definitely falling short of pre-season expectations. I think most people had Liverpool <laughs> slightly higher up in the table at this point. <laughs> and personally, I would Just definitely say I thought Spurs would be a lot more... Uh, a lot more settled, a lot more uh, difficult to play against, which they have been the opposite this season. So obviously Liverpool lose on the weekend to Notts Forest, but Spurs uh, lose to Newcastle quite convincingly as well. I don't think it was a smash and grab. I think Newcastle yeah. were much the better team. Yeah, yep, they yeah. were. Uh, they really look disjointed. Spurs, um, which is surprising because, you know, a lot of the starting eleven were there last season. Um, so I don't know if you guys have any thoughts On either of those teams I think Spurs I don't know la, It's just like you said Raoul, You know you recapped it pretty
1: much You know they're always a team that was hard to beat But it's become the opposite Like that game where United played Spurs I mean United made them look like a championship team You know Like I don't mean to brag or anything But like I don't know what happened to Spurs lah. Really even though they
2: are just three points behind City, I mean, okay, I mean yeah, with a game you know, extra played,
1: the big games only they're not performing. The smaller teams, all they're beating, they're doing just enough, you know. But
2: yeah, it just doesn't feel sustainable. Yeah, basically.
1: when you come like you come against opponents who are
0: good, right? They always like finish second best. Don't know why. I think yeah. I think to be fair, I think yeah. Maybe I'm being a bit unfair. Like you said, they are doing well in terms of points, but from what I w- see. You know, from what yeah. I watch, when you watch their games, it's just not convincing at all. Yeah,
1: the goals also. Uh, when they score, right, it's not like they're creating 20, 30 chances and scoring. You know, they they're very clinical. The chances that they get, they try and finish. But that's it, lah. You know, quite and flat. I think
2: they are interestingly okay. Yes, they are relying on Kane and Son uh, usually, but they are also their formations very reliant on their wing backs, and I think it's still very unsettled in that area, uh, which affects the team quite a bit actually. And I think Davies, for example, Dyer is not having a as good of a season. So I think it's quite unsettled apart from the I, I would say midfield and Kane and Son. Uh
0: well I think the other thing again, similar to Liverpool, is they've been a bit unlucky with the injury. So mm. when they were playing the three up top last season, Son Kane and Kulisevsky, it was pretty good. I think Kulisevsky a lot of Spurs fans are actually saying he's one of their most important attacking uh, assets oh yeah, he really hit the ground
2: running uh, When he came yeah, in yeah. Uh,
0: But both him and Richarlison Are injured I think Kulisovsky Is back in training now But Richarlison may even wo- lose, Miss the World Cup, Cup yeah. So they've switched back They're playing uh, Five in midfield And then Kane and Son up top Which looked good In some of the other games When they did it but again, I don't think it's working. I think Conte is not really happy with the bloody wing-back situation. <laughs> we spoke about them two weeks ago. <laughs> that still he can't de- still can't decide between Doherty and Royal. He can't decide between Paris and Sonsignan. Sonsignan, Yeah. Um, so they come up against a Liverpool team, as we spoke about before, who are in a not you know who really aren't in a good. Uh, uh, what am I saying? A good uh, position. Position. Uh, they they can't find any form, uh, but. Darwin Nunes has shown some positives. We haven't spoken about him before. I think Liverpool will be... I think he's been Liverpool's
1: m- best player like, so far, bro. I think Yeah, which is saying something, yeah, right? Because, yes. you know,
0: people have not been so complimentary of yeah. him either. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Everyone um, um, So I think mind. Liverpool will be looking forward to him coming back and seeing if they can build some consistency on top of that. Um, but yeah, I think that Spurs and Liverpool is two sides that really do need the points. Um and looking at Spurs So far I probably side with Spurs win, I don't know uh, On the other side We've got Chelsea and Arsenal Playing each other We've spoken quite a lot About Chelsea uh, But Arsenal dropping points To Southampton over the weekend And this, this puts them Only two points ahead of City uh, How long do we see them Sitting on top of the table? Tough Tough to Not see long. Not long Not long
1: not long, not long. I,
2: in my opinion, yeah. I think it's very tough to continue what they've been doing. I mean, they've done great and overachieved their expectations. They will
1: do fantastic, but City will just, keep just keep. Eventually, going. yeah. It just, I, you know, I'll, it's
2: like I'll, I'll say it's a matter of time. Yeah, it won't be like another like you know one of those like Leicester winning Champions League, uh, Leicester title winning seasons. City is just, yeah. yeah so Har- Har- Harlan is t- too like different like, of a beast,
1: la. Yeah,
0: no, beast. that's not gonna happen, lah. I think the only shame is that Arsenal and City were supposed to play each other last week, right? But well, that was postponed. Postponed, yeah. yeah. Be nice yeah. So watch. that would have been so, a very so interesting um, game up. in that context. Mm. I mean, Arsenal keep ticking along. I can't say anything negative about them. Uh, you know, they've looked really impressive. I have to admit, I didn't watch the Southampton game. So I don't know if uh, that draw was a surprise or Arsenal were just off the ball. I don't know if you both w- um, From highlights.
1: what I saw, I think Arsenal deserved to win that game. But then again, I think the first half they were very dominant, and then second half sort of fell yeah, out. So um, I think a draw was a fair result in the end. Based on the quality of chances, I think the draw was was a fair. But result. then I think in Arsenal end, still like. had the better chances. You know, very small margin. I think Southampton defended very well, but yeah, I think one-one was a fair result in the end.
2: But yeah, definitely. It's I mean, they're quite, are quite
0: a good. Go on, Kaiser.
2: They're way above expectations anyway. So I think our expectations of Arsenal are just. Increased a lot now, and yeah, just yeah, have to give them that's credit fine. for still so far. Um, amazing, if season. we're
1: talking as if they lost, you know, <laughs> <laughs> okay. so yeah. but that's the
0: degree you have to go, yep, to win yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, yes, yes, <laughs> well see. that is true, yes. yeah. But this is their first draw, um, so you know, in the league, yeah, first just they won everything else, one draw, one United yeah, so okay, yeah. yeah, so one draw, one loss, and we're talking like as if this is the end of this, yeah. But for Chelsea, I think this is a good chance for Porter to, you know, pick up a good result. They're playing at home. Uh, You know, there's obviously a bit of a rivalry there, both of them being London clubs. Uh, So I think from his point of view, he'll definitely be getting the players up for this game. You know, because three points would be a a huge lift coming up to the World Cup. Uh, Chelsea, like we said, need to go to Brighton. Uh, But Arsenal play Knott's Forest, who actually have... Shown a bit of form Shown a bit of defensive solidity before So that'll be interesting to see where All these teams are lining up right before the World Cup uh, But I think let's move on to our score predictor Before we finish Let's get some quick scores in So we might do in the reverse order So I'll go Arsenal-Chelsea first Kaiser, what do you think?
2: Uh, Chelsea-Arsenal, I think it'll be a draw I'll go with a 2-2 draw Actually, Chelsea can't really score, can they? 1-1, 1-1
1: 1-1. One, one. Yeah. but I think Arsenal. Chelsea playing at home, right? Yes. Uh, I think 1-0 to Arsenal. I think Arsenal will win this.
0: 1-0 to Arsenal. Yeah, 1-0 to Arsenal. Uh, yeah, I think I have to agree, but I think Chelsea will score. So, I'll go 2-1 two two on Arsenal. Shit lah, I wanted to say 1-0 to on Arsenal. I'm sticking to my 1-0. And then <laughs> we've got Spurs hosting Liverpool. I will go first. Uh, it's very <laughs> difficult But I think when I'm <laughs> When I'm in two minds Even if It's not the result I think will happen I think I'll probably have to go With Liverpool So I'll go Liverpool 1-0 Ooh uh, Viz, you go second Fuck
1: I'm leaning towards Liverpool To win But I've never predicted a draw On this podcast So <laughs> I'm gonna How go 1-1 lah. One one one, one yeah, yeah, I think
0: that's reasonable, Kaiser.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go one one as well. Yeah, you you every the draw master every you game, you draw, game I'm just like sure draw, draw, draw. <laughs> which is why I'm doing the worst. I mean, this it's season. not
0: been working out for Kaiser so yeah. far. So just to uh, summarize, I'll score <laughs> points so far. Kaiser <laughs> is last with two points, meaning he's got Threadful. two results right. <laughs> <laughs> <so
2: far>. <laughs> Shocking, <laughs> yeah. considering the amount of football I watch. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah. Uh, I'm on five points and Viz is still (laughs) holding on to his lead with six at the top of the table but things change very quickly in the score predictor if you get a score exactly correct there's three points so we'll see we'll see but I think that wraps up episode five of this season's Buller Boy podcast thanks so much for everyone who continues to listen Uh, you know if you like what you hear please share with your friends and family Uh, let us know if there's any improvements here and there but that's all from us. Thank you. Sonny is very lucky that his father is a better person than Oli. And I think you, 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 you are an ostrich.
1: Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day is the biggest fool in Manchester, and that is you, David my
2: Football heritage.
0: <laughs> no one wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville.
2: But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football.